This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, episode 68, with guest Myrna Funk. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Svorova, and welcome to the show. Today's guest is one of the most thought-provoking and inspiring voices in the contemporary feminist movement. Myrna Funk is a writer, journalist, and a cultural critic based in Berlin. She offers a refreshing perspective on what it means to be a self-determined, independent woman in the 21st century. In this episode, we discuss Myrna's latest nonfiction book in German, translated as Who Cares About the Freedom to Be a Woman, which challenges traditional feminist narratives and inspires women to take control of their lives. Myrna shares practical insights on what holds women back from achieving their full potential and how we can all work towards creating a better world for ourselves and future generations. So if you're ready to be inspired and challenged, join me in this fascinating conversation with Myrna Funk. And don't forget to rate the show on Spotify, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or simply share this episode with a friend. Mirna, what a pleasure to welcome you today in the studio. We had a phone call like a few weeks back and I just loved how, you know, strong and straightforward your responses were to some of my questions on mm -hmm. financial independence and feminism. And today we get to have this full conversation on the topic. So I'm thrilled. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Before we dive into that, Eastern German upbringing is something that impacted you and you've shared that in your interviews and podcasts. And this has also kind of directed your life trajectory and made you make certain decisions in life. So what does it mean to have Eastern German upbringing for you? And how come it's still such a visible characteristic in Germany today? Yeah, so I grew up in East Germany behind the wall. I think the most important thing is that it was socialism. So it's a very different form of how to organize a society, how to organize workforce. Like every kind of political direction, uh, it has good and bad sides. And one of the good sides, and there are many bad sides, so I'm not like, uh, I'm not glorifying the East Germany in the GDR. But one of the most important good sides is that it was pretty equal regarding genders. So women and men both worked and women and men were supposed to equally take care of the household and raising the children. So this whole idea of the whole socialist idea of we are all equal, obviously played a huge role when it comes to genders as well. And that changes a lot within you. Um, so I grew up with working grandmothers and a working mother. Um, so women in the GDR were, all of them were financially independent because they had their own jobs. And due to the, this financial independence, they as well were able to leave their partners um, when they didn't want to be with them anymore. That's why the divorce rate in East Germany was pretty high in um, comparison to West Germany. And in West Germany, we simply had a very different, there was a very different kind of society, which led to women mostly not working while men were the breadwinners, a little bit like how you can like portray the Amer like America in the 50s, this like whole kind of like suburban culture where she's like, board and on on martinis from 10 o'clock in the morning. And, and what would you say, I mean, since we're talking about it, 
how is the topic of women and their approach to financial independence differentiates today? Because now we're talking about, I mean, socialism structures. This is over. Like we, you know, we are a modern country. <laughs> we are living in a modern world and uh, the wall is not there for many, many years. So what are still the difference we see between we West and East still today? The differences uh, are still very, very visible. So you have in East Germany nearly no pay gap. Uh, you have nearly no pension gap. You have nearly no orgasm gap. That has a lot to do with the fact that if you grow up with working women around you, you will be a working woman and mother at the same time too. So what East German women learned and how they grew up, they simply still live that kind of way. While in West Germany, all people grew up with this mother being at home mm -hmm. and still living this kind of like dream of, of not working. And this idea of the woman is at home, takes care of the children and the husband brings home the money. So it's just like a kind of like an ongoing view on the role of womanhood and even manhood, because look, it's a different way of like, uh, of manhood when you think as a woman your partner should like make all the money and you're not it's very traditional it's very old school you say wow we're living in socialism doesn't exist anymore we're living in modern times but i'm telling you it's not very modern how how women in west germany live it's fascinating and i mean there were some numbers that you were also communicating that 30 yeah. percent of women in germany are Financial independent, yes. so only, only 30%. Only 30% are financially independent, yeah. Then 30% are not, and 40% are part, have part-time jobs. Yes, and they are not, so 30% don't work at all, and 40% only work these like 15 to 20 hours with which you are wouldn't be able to provide for yourself, not, neither to provide for yourself and your ch own children. That's fascinating. I mean, given that we see a lot of conversations about um, having diverse hiring, having more women yeah. in technical jobs, having more women on the board member yeah. and management, but how can this be achieved if there's only 30% of women are full-time employed? Exactly. That's something I have been saying for a long time and it's not that people like to hear that. The problem in Germany, you can say, oh my God, why are there no women in the C-League? Why are there no women in board members? Why are there no women founders? Why are there no women like running, running businesses? Well, where should they come from when they're not working? Right. So what do you think are the reasons that that stop women from achieving their dreams of a successful career. And all of us have those dreams, right? All of us have some ideas, entrepreneurial ideas, ambitions, but in also in parallel to have a family life. I'm not sure if all women or all men have dreams and ambitions. I think many people don't have, and that's completely fine for me, you know? And another thing is that there is this notion that you have to choose between family and career. It's a notion, it's like some, like some kind of phantasma and, uh, and they feel that they have to make this choice, although no one would 
ask a man to choose between career and family. So why does a woman need to choose between career and family? It doesn't make any kind of sense. And uh, But women believe this, like women deeply in West Germany <laughs> believe they have to choose because they grew up with understanding that only one can work and the other one has to take care of the children. Mm -hmm. You know, they never saw that both work and both take care of the children. So how can this mindset be changed? Well, I don't know. I've been trying, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard. It's, it's really hard to change it. I think. Is I, it more role models showing more women in like management boards, uh, management positions, having career and family life? Is it more conversations? Is it going to schools and talking to teenagers? I think it's a it's a mix of like different things. First of all, it needs women who have careers and have children and be outspoken about the fact that they manage to do it. I'm not saying it's like super easy peasy, right? But it's completely manageable. And it's important to talk about this and not just like whine and be like, oh my God, it's so hard. It's so horrible. You know, like, yeah, life is hard and horrible. Welcome, you know, like, and then you're gonna die. <laughs> but at the same time, life is really amazing too, but it's not just amazing, you know, it's right. really fucking hard as well. So I think this is one thing. The second thing is that those women who grew up with this idea that they are only good mothers when they're like cooking fresh broccoli and cleaning the diapers that are made of like, cotton something like that like this makes you a good mother they have to question this themselves they have to be self-aware that this is an idea that exists in germany and it's just an idea the moment you leave this country this idea of motherhood doesn't even exist in other countries mm -hmm. it it will exist like it probably exists a little bit in the states as well Maybe it even exists like in Italy or something where you have like the mother and, you know, but the moment you actually come to more East Eastern European countries and there are a lot of Eastern European countries um, or you come to, to France or you come to Israel at uh, this notion doesn't exist anymore. This idea doesn't exist. But this is something women have to realize it themselves, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about you because... I'm curious how you build up your career and um, how you balance all the plates because you are quite successful, super well-known in Germany. Just Googling your name, it's like thousands of interviews <laughs> oh, and articles and, you know, whatsoever. So you are all over the place. But was it a hard work? Was it pure luck? Was it your determination or a combination of something else? It's funny because I'm like following one of these elevator boys. You know the elevator what boys? What is elevator like, boys? You don't know the elevator boys? <laughs> you have to look them up. It's just like this Gen Z TikTok phenomenon. It's oh. like these super hot boys that do like reels and shit like this. Anyway, I'm following one of them, Jakob Brot. Um, mm, just Google Sending them. you some regards because you're cute. <laughs> and he just recently gave an interview, I think to GQ or Men's House or I don't even know anymore. And he said, there is no success overnight, it's a myth. And there is no success overnight, it's a, it's a myth. Like people see you, you recognize you as a point of success and don't 
remember you from before because they have never seen you, right? And then they think, oh my God, where is she? Where did she come from? Where, where did she rise up? Like, how did that happen? I had this, uh, there was this portrait about me in Der Spiegel, in this like magazine in, uh, in summer, last summer. And I think the subtitle was something like, the mysterious success of the Myrna Funk or something. It wasn't, it was not mysterious, the unheimliche, the uncanny success of the Myrna Funk. Well, there's nothing uncanny about working for 20 years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> This is all I did. I just like... So where, where, what were you doing for 20 years? I mean... So I, uh, I left home when I was 17 and then I just worked as a waitress to, you know, uh, provide for myself. And I was pretty good. Uh, I, I was a good waitress. I was very funny and witty and mean. <laughs> how you should be as a waitress, you know. And the thing is that I, I wanted to study uh, philosophy and history at this point, but I was really, really bad in school, like really bad. And as well, I didn't know what to do with history and philosophy. And I knew I had to provide for myself financially. So I studied communication simply when I was like 23, I think, or 22 two something like that and then i worked in communication and so you were always a bit attracted to the to reading to literature to writing so there's something more not mm. numbers focused but more yeah it was more like i was not like um I'm, i was not into marketing or something i was more into yes um, into communication i was not that much into literature i was more interested actually in philosophy and history and like understanding the world and being interested in in the world like how did like the human evolve like who were we before and like to what kind of like point are we evolving now so i was very curious about like society and the human condition and stuff like this And I think this was as well playing a part in the whole communication thing. And then I worked in communication until I uh, was at the end of 20. And then I wanted to completely shift at like a full on life crisis, which uh, in retrospective was probably the best thing that could happen at this point. Okay, so you at that time you thought it was a crisis, it was difficult, but now you're like, well, that was... It was very difficult okay. and it was like a full-on crisis, but I had to have it in order to, to make shift. shift. And then because I was like, well, when you were a teenager, you actually wanted to be a writer. What happened with that, you know? And mm. then huh, when you were 18, you wanted to study philosophy and, and history. What happened that, to that, you know? Now you're just like working for advertisement companies and brands and all you do is lie the whole day, you know? So, and <laughs> there's no problem with like lying, but it just didn't fulfill me. And then I decided to kind of like cut everything and uh, full on concentrate on achieving what I always wanted to achieve. And it took me five years and I published my first novel. I was really working hard. I completely changed my entire life, like 180 degrees. I completely changed everything. I managed to get into a new university. I worked three days a week as an editor mm -hmm. uh, for an online magazine for a beauty a beauty online shop. So I was like still in the kind of like consumer field, but already like working on what I wanted to do. And this is writing. So I had to make money. So I worked three days a week there. And two days a week, I studied at Humboldt University, philosophy and history. Okay, so you went back to that philosophy. Wow. Yes, yes, wow. I did. 
And then you were also then writing the book, which is... I was at in my last year of my philosophy studies, I already started my novel. And then I finished my bachelor thesis and then left Berlin to Tel Aviv and then wrote the whole novel until the end of this year. Yeah. So and then uh, and then got published. Let's talk about your latest nonfiction book, which is called Who Cares uh, About the Freedom to Be a Woman? That's kind of the translation I have from yeah. the German version, because yeah. as I understand, it's only available in German yes. as of now. So what is it about and why you felt like you wanted to write this? I actually didn't want to write it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I never thought about writing uh, a nonfiction book or, an, or some kind of like it's I would call it like a collection of essays. It had mainly to do with something that happened like two years ago. There was a magazine, a feminist magazine that wanted me to write a text for Mother's Day. And I wrote an article for Mother's Day calling on all women to leave their lazy husbands. <laughs> and such a feminist thing, right? So, but then- On Mother's Day. On Mother's Day. And then I said, so, well, if you feel like this is what you want to do right now, but you can't, then it probably has to do with the fact that you are financially not independent, like 70% of all you women are here in West Germany, and you should change that. And I got like one of the biggest shitstorm slash cancellations, I think, in German feminist <laughs> uh -oh. world. Uh, no, it was like really, was really, really why were special. They I mean, why were they dis so much, you know, disagreement with you? I mean, partially. Because I'm so right. You know, when you like, when you point at something mm. very painful, people just fucking hate you. But do you think you're too direct? Do you think there's maybe a way to communicate it about it more softly? Because there are different people, different circumstances. Yeah, well, I mean, there are a million ways of communicating, but I'm more like the blunt type, you know, like I'm Jewish. Jewish people, they're not, they're just like very straightforward and a little bit funny. And uh, like all my texts are really funny, they, but just don't get my humor because they're not Jewish. <laughs> no, but it's like um, I have been known as someone who's straightforward and blunt my entire life. I couldn't be. That's your voice. I mean, that's, that's your... just like who I am. And it's exactly. not, it's like, this is why people hate me, but it's why people love me as well. You know, that's my USP. It is. I mean, <laughs> and, and it's important. A lot of people are trying to stay neutral, to be accepted yeah. by everyone, yeah. by, by having strong lovers and haters. Mm -hmm. That's what makes Mirna Mirna. Yes, it and totally that's, does. And that's why you get so much great opportunities yeah. because you have that voice. But yeah. that means you have to struggle with the other side of being popular, which is haters. Exactly. But back to that book. So that kind of, that there was this um, shitstorm and then you thought, well, okay, why not to write about this a few essays and kind of to elevate this more? Or My what? publishing house called me and said, don't you want to f tell them your story or something like that? You Don't you want to write like a book about feminism? Oh, I think they wanted like, don't you want to write a book about motherhood? And I was like, no, I'm not going to write about motherhood. It's so boring. Like how to fill like 100 pages about motherhood. Like what's happening there? Nothing, you know? So I was like, okay, let me think. And then I did it and then thought about it. And then I uh, sent them a concept of these like six essays about six different things that kind of like are a huge part of women life, but human life, like male life. As what well. do you mean by six things? It's six essays. It's okay. it's love, 
sex, money, children, body, career. Okay. Yeah. And these six things kind of like define every human being. And the question was for me, how can I show how to keep your freedom while doing these things? How do you stay free? How come love and sex come into play with the topics of financial independence? Why did you feel like you wanted to also highlight that and tie this to a um, topic of money? Because if I'm financially dependent on someone and it doesn't need to be a heteronormative relationship, it can be a lesbian relationship or a queer relationship, it really doesn't matter. But if I'm financially dependent, then there is immediately a power disbalance within the relationship. Because if I don't have money to leave a person, this person has a lot of power over me. And the question comes, like, is this love? Or what does it do to the love to people had for each other when some mm. has all the power and the other one has none? Uh, same comes to sexuality. I can only say no and yes if... I am not scared of saying no or yes. Mm -hmm. That and gives the libertine, right? Of course. If I'm scared to lose my home, to lose my life, to lose everything I have, I won't be able to be the person who I really am. But what if it's not fear? What if it's trust? It's being able to find your second half. You want to trust and you, you know that you have their back. So I'm going to be a bit of a devil's advocate. Yeah, you can totally do this. First yeah. of all, I do not believe in the second half. Um, I like elaborate on that concept in the love chapter. I totally oppose this concept. I think that we are fool and this idea of us looking for our other halves, um, which is really old, really, really old, this idea, many thousands of years. We find this in like a Greek philosophy already. It's really not good for for really loving a person. I believe that you can only love someone as a completely independent subject that is different from you, that uh, believes even in different things and you still love this person. Maybe even love this person because this person is so different from you. I'm a very optimistic person, but I'm not delusional, you know, and Human beings are, we are good and bad at the same time. Mm -hmm. And there is no other human being on this planet that will just love to give while you're on the couch home <laughs> looking out of the window, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And even in a relationship, like one person is out in the world changing the world by his or her existence and by his or her appearance while the other one is home. You're so transparent. You're so, as you said, straightforward and as you are. And people do, how do you deal with people opinions? People come to you and say, you are way too transparent or you have very strong opinions or you are for some reason, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Well, I mean, I couldn't be different. I'm just b being me. I'm, I'm authentic. Uh, there was a point where I asked myself and it was like really short after this like shitstorm cancellation thing, I asked myself, so what can I do different to not experience this anymore? This kind of like hatred. And then I was like, to stop writing, to stop being you. And then I was like, what the fuck? I can't stop being me. I mean, 
I'm just on this earth. I'm 42. When I'm lucky, I have like 40 years to live. I want to enjoy this life. So fuck that. I mean, I, I just don't care. I couldn't care less, to be honest. But have you before cared? Has that changed? Because a lot of people do read, they get offended, they get to think over it again and again. I think first that I, in general, am not someone, and that's probably what people would say about me who know me for already like 20 years or 25 years or something. I'm not someone that is is so interested in being liked because it's not that I believe deeply I should be liked. And then I'm, you know, and then I'm like, offended by not being liked because I deeply think everybody should like me. I really don't think anybody needs to like me. Like I have no expectations towards this. And due to this lack in expectations being liked, I'm not angry if I'm not, you know, because it's not, I'm not disappointed because there is no expectation. So it's pretty impossible to hurt your ego, right? It's totally nearly impossible to hurt my That's ego. A strength. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if I have an ego. I, I know that, for example, a man can hurt me and then I get like wild. <laughs> Interesting. But it's a different kind of, I don't think it has something to, uh, to do with ego. I have such a strong survival instinct. And if I feel someone is attacking my survival, my mental survival or my emotional survival or something like that, then I get like, uh, I, became an, I become an animal. I become a complete animal who's like fighting for a survival. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, thinking about sur survival, maybe risk taking, I was reading it that you didn't pay taxes in Germany for eight years. Forever, what, yeah. What, was that, <laughs> what is it about? What? First of all, I really think I'm the Ayn Rand of Germany. <laughs> I don't think I'm a libertarian, but I do have a problem with taxes. I do think that in Germany we pay way too much taxes, like way too much taxes. I mean, it's half of our, it's nearly half of our income, like at a certain point, obviously. I think it's dumb to take so much money of, from the people because this is not like how our world works. Anyway, I really don't like paying taxes. I just like to buy stuff and enjoy life and you need money to do this, right? And the other thing is that I am Jewish. I have like a Jewish family on one side and um, being Jewish in Germany and knowing that this part of my family lost everything during National Socialism and and Germans took everything from them and they had to start over. It makes me feel a little cringy to give them my money that would be so much more if they haven't hated Jews, you know? <laughs> so it's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You just like, the problem is like, I really f fought not paying taxes for mm -hmm. a long time, but it always ends in prison in Germany, you know? That's the problem. I mean, that sounds quite intense. I would do it. This is the thing. I was I knew I would I would end up in prison and I would have been totally fine with it. But then I got pregnant and I had a child and then I had a different That's kind right. of responsibility, yeah. right? Like it's not fair to her that her mother's a lunatic, you know? So 
I am totally open to the idea that I might end in prison again if my daughter approves. <laughs> okay, when she reaches 18 and then... <laughs> and she's like, okay, mom, if you want to do this, sure. Because I must say, like, I'm such a playful person, you know, like, I'm so playful. And this idea of ending up in prison as a Jewish woman because she didn't want to pay taxes, it's fucking hilarious. I mean, what kind of, like, book and film you can make out of this, you know? It could be streaming on Netflix. Yes, it could be streaming on Netflix. It could be, like, a worldwide hit. <laughs> There's, like, a strategic thinking behind it. I think it's not strategic. <laughs> I think it's playful. Playful. I, yeah, I like it's a mix maybe. I love it. And I mean, speaking also, I think there was one story when you said with your daughter that you were working and you said that you have to leave at four because you have a very strict schedule. And yeah. when the person, when your employer asks why you have to leave at four is because you said, look, I have to pick up my daughter from the um, kindergarten, from school or kindergarten yeah. and my daughter will be the one who will be paying, paying your in pension. your pension. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's reality, right? So you you said, look, I'm still full-time. Yeah. You still got paid full-time. You yes. didn't reduce your hours. No. At all. But you highlighted that this is, this my, is my right. This is my life. This is my right. Yeah. Hours don't define if it's full-time, part-time. No. And this young woman will be the one who will be the, I mean, the foundation of up and rising, successful German economy, right? Exactly. So how did the employer take it? Very good. I love him. He's the best. No, he took it like, I think he was first kind of like shocked how how blunt I was, you know, and then he loved it. He just loved my bluntness because he felt that if I'm that straightforward, I can do a very good job as a leader. I had like a leading position there, you know, and leaders are not people that run in groups after some an idea that is supposed to be the truth, right? Leaders are the people that question the truth. Leaders are the people that do things different. That's what a leader is defined by. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm always telling women, like, if you want something, you have to take it. You have to ask for it. You have to to really like tailor it to your needs tailor it to your needs yeah and you have to obviously you have to say what you want and what you don't want like no one will will give you what they're not mind readers you know there is no one is a fucking mind reader out there they will listen to you they maybe will say like you're not getting this fully or i want this from you if you want this but this is like bargaining on a market right this is what people have to do And what about uh, courage? What does courage means for you? Because I do have mm -hmm. an interesting quote here. Yeah, and, for me? Yeah. Uh -huh. What did she say? This like Myrna Funk. What did, she, <laughs> what did she say? Well, you know, you said that about the greatest enemy of courage is convenience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to elaborate on that? Look, I think that uh, people take freedom as uh, for, for granted. They think like the world owes them freedom or something like that, or people owe them freedom or no one owes you anything. You know, you have to fight for what you want. And courage is not something that is convenient. You know, it's like really exhausting. It's really painful. It's super uncomfortable, but it elevates you to a place where you will feel more comfort and more strength than you felt before. So this is the most important thing. If you just like lay around and think it should all come to you, nothing will come to you. 
no one will knock on your door with a suitcase full of 20 million euros, you know? And as, as you, you said... You have to go to the bank and rob it. <laughs> don't take this advice. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> Do not take this advice. I'm okay with the manifestation part before, but this yeah. one maybe. No, it was just a joke. <laughs> don't no, rob a bank. But I, I like that... I mean, as you said, uh, it was 20 years of hard work and for you to going through a certain crisis to make a decision and going into that uncomfort zone of starting to write, uh, studying what you want to study, having a side job to get where you are today, which is a recognized author in Germany and continually building. You know, as yeah. you said, you are in your 40s and you're still already thinking what's next. You're of curious how to even challenge yourself further. So what things you might be doing from 20, 30 years from now can take to a new elevated level. But to get there, that means today you're still working really hard. I think what's super important to understand is that it takes 10 years to achieve what you want. Like to re be really fully be there where you wanted to be. And in order to to get where you want to get, you have to always think about these 10 years. You It's know? so hard today because everyone is like, uh, oh, by 30, I need to have everything, the family, the career, the success. Yeah, but this is like, I don't think to have family and some form of success or career, that's not the, that's not the hardest part. I mean, to, to bring a baby, it's like takes <laughs> 20 seconds, you know. But I think what's more important is the question you have to answer yourself. What makes you happy? What kind of life makes you happy? Like really fully happy. But How although you were saying that happiness is life is not only about happiness, it's struggle. No, of course, but it, it's still it's mm. still there is still this question. What kind of life makes you happy? And this is different for different people, you know, and in order to feel some kind of happiness and I live a life now that is full of struggle and hustling but at the same time I have a very good balance with the happiness like I'm I'm living a very happy fun life I enjoy living you know and but I know now how I want to kind of live in 10 years and now I'm already starting to work on moving towards this kind of life structure I want mm. to have by the time my daughter leaves school and I you don't don't need to be around her anymore and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So tell me what is really ahead of you? What is your focusing on? It's actually really different things like I'm finishing my third novel, my third and last novel. I will not publish a novel until I'm I'm very old and shrinkly. I am never be gonna be shrinkly, but I I gonna be old. Let's say that. I will like age like share. But I don't want to write novels anymore. Not until I'm like really old. So I'm working on my third novel. I'm working on my second essay collection. I'm working on on a TV show, on my first movie. I'm still wow. moving towards screenwriting, although I must say that the past three years I've been working on screenwriting here in Germany has been mainly disappointing. I'm okay. not like elaborating on this. It's just like the German film market. It's just like, I'm not built for this. It's too boring, too slow. I'm so much quicker. I'm so much more American. I'm so much more, let's try something risky. Let's be fun here. And like the Germans just like want everybody 
who love the same thing and it just doesn't work, you know, and then they create like really bad television like we we see all the time. So and then I'm currently actually um, started working uh, with a startup for a female financial independent startup. Uh, we're getting really close. Probably there will be some announcement within the next uh, weeks and months. I can't talk about it right now, but I'm slowly moving back again to more like the commercial side, uh, simply because I really feel I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve as an author. Like, I don't know what to achieve anymore, mm -hmm. like in Germany. Like, I have literally no idea what there is else to achieve. And I, I need this apartment in, in Tel Aviv, right? So... <laughs> So now I have to think about the big bucks and like how to really like, I just have these like dollar signs in my, in my eyes. The US day. is crying for you, Hollywood. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think I'm too old, unfortunately. Like it's too... Uh, for I, for a screen uh, playwriting? Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it there anymore. But it's okay. I'm like not sad or something like that it's just like i'm i'm just realistic you know it's i'm not this kind of person that says like oh i can you can achieve everything at any time no you can't there are things you can achieve and there are things you can't achieve anymore you know and uh, in order to get where you want to get you have to be realistic about yourself and i think uh, i'm pretty realistic and then i have like some other plus like there is like a lot it's very interesting i'm in time right now where a lot is moving and i'm really like kind of like a witch that is like putting everything in her pots and i'm like steering this pot and i'm like the next 10 years the next 10 years maybe i'll put the, these herbs in there as well and maybe i'm gonna go there and grab something i love it yeah that's what i'm doing right now and let's see what comes out of it Best of luck. I'm super excited to <laughs> the updates from Mirna Funk, yeah. like a big social media campaign when you'll be like this, <laughs> this and this are happening, especially the startup part. Keep us posted. Yes, I will. This is uh, also very interesting to the listeners. I mean, I have a couple of guests that talked about financial independence yes. and they worked on those startups. So I think it's always kudos to everyone who are building and moving this space forward. I wanted to ask you, I mean, I can really talk with, with you for quite some time. I feel this is very, it's getting more and more interesting. But I will get to my last question yes. for today. And this is about women authors of achievement. And I always ask my guests about a woman they would like to highlight. And they say this woman has, is a creator of her own achievements. This mm -hmm. woman is a creator of her own life. And since you're such a big feminist and a strong voice, Mirna, who would you like to give a spotlight to today? I don't have role models or something like that. I'm not, uh, I don't think I was influenced by any woman, but I would like to put a spotlight on, I prefer more to empower women in my life that um, need, like not need empowerment, but I want to put spotlight um, and I want the listeners to like check out these three artists um, they are three painters. They are all my friends. One is my friend Anna Nero. She's a painter from, she's Jewish, a German painter and she's super successful and amazing. She has a show in New York in June by her art. Uh, then um, Shani Roy, she's another painter. She lives in Vienna and studies in Vienna. Art, uh, she's going to be super successful as well by her art, Shani. And the next one is Noah, and uh, she is an Israeli painter, and she's super, super talented. And I love them 
all and they deserve everything. Beautifully said. Yeah. I can see Anna here. I googled her quickly. Anna Nero. Yes. It's very surrealistic, or? Yeah, it's more, it's very abstract. Like it's very abstract, hardcore abstract, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. I would get this. That looks cool. I yeah, like it. Yeah, it looks cool, yeah. Thank you for sharing their highlights. We have three amazing artistic women yes. uh, highlighted by Mirna. Yeah. So everyone should check them out. Mirna, this is a wrap of our conversation. I absolutely loved talking to you. It's so interesting to have that perspective. And I appreciate, you know, you how you are, how straightforward, how bold you are. And I think this is fascinating on the show. I always reflect back. And this is going to be like 68th episode And there are so many different voices. There's such a different perspective. And I always say that that really like diversity of thought and how women communicate is what we need in our society. Mm -hmm. Not just a few voices, but having those different voices conveying different messages is so fruitful. It's mm -hmm. so inspiring and moving. And talking to you is a new perspective on things. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. And as you said, many people might not like it. Many people might not see themselves in this position, but the fact that they heard it and they have to digest it and, and accept that there's a different opinion, I think that's a valuable, really valuable insight and perspective. So thank you for being here today. And I'm super excited what's ahead for you along the way. And I will be closely following you, <laughs> thank you. whenever you are in Berlin, <laughs> if you're speaking or if you have any book readings, mm -hmm. would love to be part of that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon.